0: You are Locked On Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And we return with another episode of Locked On Ravens. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher of Ravenswire. And we return here. It is a midweek edition episode, and that means that it is. Our mailbag here on Locked On Ravens, and we have a bunch of questions to get into. Obviously, most of them relating back to the 2021 NFL draft, as that is still, I think, pretty fresh in a lot of people's minds. But we also have a couple of other questions as well, so we'll dive into all of those and we'll talk about those in the second and third segments. But here today, it is an important day in the entire NFL, throughout the entire NFL, as the Ravens and the rest of the league are going to hear when they'll be playing their opponents. Now, who they'll be playing and where they'll be playing. The Ravens already know that. They've known that for a couple months now. We've all known it. But today is the full 2021 NFL schedule reveal and they're planning to I think do it in spurts. There'll be leaks throughout the day in terms of who plays who, where and when and, and all this different stuff because For primetime games, we don't know that yet. We don't know if the Ravens are going to have one primetime game, five primetime games. You know, there are a lot of things that still have to be determined, and this day today is going to determine that. So by the time people listen to this, there might be a couple things already put out there and so the stuff on the show might not be completely accurate, because right now, for me at least, it's guesswork, because I'm not recording it after the fact, I'm recording it before the fact, this show today at least, so here in this first segment, I do want to get into a bit of my predictions, and just, you know, talk through where I think the Ravens are going to get their primetime games, if the NFL will have the Ravens play an easier front half of their schedule, easier back half of their schedule, where they're going to put certain teams, are they going to stack AFC North teams on top of each other, spread out those AFC North matchups, so there's a lot to talk about today. So again, schedule preview, our full schedule preview for 2021 here in this first segment. And then in the second and third segments, we'll talk about our mailbag. So let's jump right in here again. Apple Podcasts for our show. It seems to be working a bit better now. It seems like episodes are starting to pop up on there again for a lot of users. But if they aren't, and if they aren't, I know it's been it's been tough. Please Go find it somewhere else if you do want to listen. It's anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Megaphone, TuneIn, Odyssey, anywhere you get your podcast. We are there waiting. We put out our content at 6 a.m. Eastern Time, and you can also follow us on Twitter at LockedOnRavens is the show account, and at ChaosStriker34 for any Ravens news analysis, updates, historical perspectives, draft analysis, free agency analysis, season analysis, schedule analysis is my personal account. So, With all that being said, we're going to jump right in here, starting off with our full schedule preview here, the 2021 schedule for the Baltimore Ravens, and so we do know the opponents already. We know where they're going to play, whether it's home or away, so let's just roll down the opponents first. At home, the Ravens will play their three AFC North foes in the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals. They will also face the Kansas City Chiefs at home, the Indianapolis Colts, the Los Angeles Chargers, Green Bay Packers, Minnesota Vikings, and that 17th game that was added in the Los Angeles Rams at home as well. Then for the away games, again, there are three AFC North foes, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals, and then also the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, the Chicago Bears, the Detroit Lions, and the Miami Dolphins. So this this is a pretty tough schedule, I think. Now, again, as I mentioned and and I tweeted out and and got a lot of flack, I guess, or controversy, it started a lot of controversy, the Ravens do have the ability to go 17-0 this year. I'm not going to back down from that statement because they do have the ability. They have the roster and whatnot. Now, is it likely? No, it's not likely. It's unlikely that any team goes (laughs) 17-0 throughout any season. But for the Ravens, this is an interesting schedule because, you know, as I just read out those opponents, they play the full AFC West, the full NFC North, plus the second-place teams from the AFC East and the AFC South, so the Colts and the Dolphins, and then also the second-place team from the NFC division they played two years ago, which was the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC West. Now, in terms of my predictions, I put out a three-prediction article on Ravens Wire last night about what I think is going to happen for the Ravens, some of my predictions there, My first prediction is that the Ravens are going to start the season on the road. Now, the Ravens have been absolute warriors on the week one games. During the week one matchups over the past four years, they've outscored their opponents 164 to 19. Yes, let me say it again. During their last four week one matchups, the Ravens have outscored their opponents 164 to 19. That's crazy. (laughs) That's pretty insane. The Ravens are week one. Warriors. They love the week one, especially over these last four years. They love the week one spotlight. And it's not like they're playing in prime time. They're just doing it in the one o'clock hour saying, we're going to smash your teeth in when nobody's looking and they'll just see the final score the next day or after the game is over. Before the Ravens starting the season on the road, why do I think this? The Ravens, uh, they're going to be in an interesting spot, especially because of their neighbors, the Baltimore Orioles. Yes, this is not a baseball podcast. This is not locked on Orioles. It's locked on Ravens. But the Orioles are scheduled to play. The opening Sunday of the NFL season this year is going to be September 12th, and the Orioles are scheduled to play the Toronto Blue Jays at Camden Yards at 1.05 p.m. Eastern time. Now, the Orioles and the Ravens have had some conflicts in the past, most notably during their Super Bowl year when the Ravens won the Super Bowl and they were supposed to play the Denver Broncos at home because the Super Bowl champion usually plays at home in prime time. But... The Ravens and the Orioles had that conflict. The Orioles had that 7:05 game scheduled, and the Ravens played their first game in Denver that year, and it was not a memorable game. We're gonna forget about that game, but it's the, it's kind of the same concept where the Ravens also played at home last year in their home opener. You know, week one was a home game for them, so it it just makes sense for me to have the Ravens play on the road. Now that might not happen, and maybe I'm wrong here, but but I have a decently good feeling that will end up being what ends up happening. The second prediction, and this is more of a bold one for me, I think the NFL is going to line up the Ravens and the Steelers to play again at Heinz Field on Thanksgiving night. Now, obviously, the game between the Ravens and the Steelers on Thanksgiving night last year, first of all, did not get played on Thanksgiving night. There were multiple rescheduled dates and, and all this other stuff. Obviously, the coronavirus kind of swooping through the Ravens facility, having over 20 staff members, players on the reserve COVID list, ended up getting played on a Wednesday afternoon in front of probably two a very substantial fraction of the audience would have gotten if it was played in the prime slot on Thanksgiving night. The NFL, I'm sure, was not happy with that fact. But I think that that game is something that the NFL is going to put back on Thanksgiving night. Now, obviously, this is, again, pure speculation. It's kind of a bold prediction But it makes sense, right? The Ravens, the Steelers, two really good teams. Obviously, it seems like the Steelers are on the downward swing right now. But, you know, they could come out and perform well in the early portions of 2021. Maybe that is what they do. But I think that they want to have that rivalry game on there. They were planning on that, and it was going to be a really fun electric atmosphere. And, you know, even with no fans in the stands, it still would have been an electric atmosphere there at Heinz Field. But now with fans starting to, you know, teams are starting to have the fans saying, yeah, we're preparing for it. We're starting to get that idea in people's minds of we're preparing to have full seats filled or a big increase of seats filled. I think that the NFL might decide to put that game there, or at least, If it's not on Thanksgiving night, they might put it on, you know, a big primetime stage later in the year, but I don't know. I feel like the NFL will do that. Again, I might not be right, but I feel like that's something that could benefit, you know, not only the Ravens and the Steelers, obviously it'd be great for them to get under those bright lights and play, but it would benefit the league as well. And then finally, my third prediction that I put in the article is that the Ravens will have four primetime games during 2021. The Ravens had five primetime games in 2020, and the NFL rewards teams who, you know, are good and play consistently good football year in and year out with those primetime matchups and not just one or two, they give them a lot because obviously... Fans love watching the teams, even if, you know, people aren't Ravens fans. They love watching Lamar Jackson, or they love watching the Ravens defense. You know, that high-quality football... And there are a bunch of opponents on the Ravens' schedule right now who could warrant primetime games. You could have a primetime game against the Steelers, as we just talked about. The Browns, the Chiefs, maybe the Colts, maybe the Packers, maybe the Rams, maybe the Raiders, maybe the Bears, right? Maybe even the Dolphins. There are all these different matchups that the Ravens could have a primetime matchup with. Thursday night football, Monday night football, Sunday night football, right? All these different things. Even Saturday night football, you know, during the back half of the schedule, there they could do it. So it'll be interesting to see how the NFL ends up maneuvering the primetime games with the Ravens. Obviously, they don't want the, you know, a certain team to have too many primetime games. Then it just becomes all right. Everybody's watching the same team week in and week out. They they want to diversify it a bit. That's why you know even though the Ravens went 14 and two in 2019, they didn't give the Ravens 10 primetime games in 2020. They only gave them five. So I'd anticipate four games. You know, the Ravens had a decently good year in 2020. didn't blow anybody out of the water or anything, Finished strong and everything. So yeah, I, th- I think four primetime games is a pretty good number there. And then finally, in terms of where I think teams will play, in terms of will the Ravens have a easy front half, easy back half, kind of split around, I, I think it'll be pretty even. You know, I think Baltimore will probably end the season away at Cleveland. I base that off the fact that they played Cleveland at home in the finale in 2018, Pittsburgh at home in the finale in 2019, and Cincinnati away during their matchup in 2020. So I think the NFL, again, you know, divisional ends to the season and they'll probably put the Ravens away against Cleveland. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think that's what they will end up doing. And then in terms of other opponents, yeah, you know, I, I could see the Ravens maybe playing the Bears at Soldier Field late in the year. I think that'd be a really nice matchup. Maybe the the Packers come to M&T Bank Stadium later in the year. I, I could see the Chiefs game also being played later in the year as well. The Ravens have kind of played the Chiefs early in the year. They played them early in the year last year. It could be interesting there. The Chargers I could see probably in the middle, Colts probably same thing, and then you know, I, I think that they'll get the AFC North opponents out of the way early, some of those matchups early, and then have the Ravens maybe have an easier schedule towards the back half, but throw a couple hard opponents in there as well. They They could see a really tough stretch to open the year, right? Theoretically, they could put the Rams early, they could put the Raiders early. They could put a game against the Browns in there early as well, and maybe even the Vikings. So it'll be interesting to see how the NFL ends up doing this for the Ravens. But what is known and what I know is that the Ravens are going to have a very nice schedule, but it'll be a hard one in 2021. We're going to head into our first break now, but when we return, we'll be getting into the first batch of our mailbag questions. So stay tuned for that and we'll be right back. Hey Ravens fans, listen up. Nugenix, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenix Total T, text Draft to 231231. This unique man-boosting formula is powered by testithin, which helps boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back in shape absolutely free. Text Draft to 231231. That's Draft to 231231. messages and data rates may apply. And we return with our second segment of this Wednesday edition of Locked On Ravens. Kevin is still hanging out with you here. And we're not going to get into the first part of our mailbag, and we're going to start off with two questions from Elias Page. And we had kind of put Elias' questions here on pause, and he did ask us, you know, a, a couple weeks back about some historical versus current player rankings for the Ravens. We talked about Joe Flacco versus Lamar Jackson, Vance Leach versus Patrick Ricard, Jonathan Ogden versus Ronnie Stanley. But now with the draft kind of over, and we're still talking about it, but, you know, we're not fully on that now, I wanted to get back into this and the next comparison he had here ray rice versus jk dobbins two players that i think on the field are compared a lot to each other obviously the same number and everything dobbins has made it known that's not why he's wearing the number it's not because of rice but you know they both are very similar players and now obviously if we're comparing the two and saying oh well who had the better ravens career obviously it's Ray Rice for now and I know I don't think a lot of people would question that obviously Dobbins has only had one full season in Baltimore but what he has done Dobbins so far if he keeps that up if he keeps on that pace and keeps improving he will definitely surpass Rice from an on-field perspective now in terms of their actual games I mean looking at their actual height 5'9 for Ray Rice 5'9 for J.K. Dobbins. Now, Dobbins is a little bit heavier. Rice came in at about 195 pounds. Dobbins comes in at about 209 pounds. But both seem to have that physicality to their game. They're able to stay upright. They have elusiveness. They're able to have deceptive acceleration. They're, They're not the fastest guys in the world, but they were able to have speed. And Dobbins right now, you know, insane rookie year for a rookie running back that really didn't get a full chance to show what he had at the NFL level for a couple weeks. You know, he had those games two carries for 40 yards, one carry for 37 yards, right? He was doing it. And then the Ravens gave him a full opportunity and finished the 2020 season with 134 rushes for 805 yards, nine touchdowns, averaged six yards per carry, which ended up leading all running backs in 2020. So a great start for Dobbins. But what Rice did in a Ravens uniform on the field, it can't be questioned in terms of how great he was for so many years. He also was a good threat as a receiver. Dobbins, Not quite the receiving threat that Ray Rice was during his Ravens career, but For Rice, 1,430 rushes, 6,180 yards on the ground, 37 touchdowns to go along with 369 receptions for 3,034 yards and six touchdowns. Dobbins only had 18 receptions in his rookie season. The lowest reception total of Rice's career came in his rookie year, but it was 33. So obviously everybody knows what happened with Ray Rice off the field. That's not what I'm getting into though, you know. What I'm talking about is pure on-the-field production, and Rice was good for a lot of years in Baltimore. Now, his 2013 season, not great. 15 games, averaged 3.1 yards per carry, by far the lowest number in his career. The previous low before that was 4 yards per carry in 2010, so he was consistent 4.2 yards his rookie year, 5.3 his career high in 2009, 4 in 2010, 4.7 in 2011, 4.4 in 2012, So 2013 was starting that fall off, but I still think that when you're comparing Rice with Dobbins, again, Dobbins has that ability to go and surpass Rice, but... Rice had the consistency in Baltimore on the field where he was one of the best running backs in the league for a couple seasons. You know, what wasn't the best running back, but was one of the best running backs for a couple years in Baltimore. So I have all the confidence in J.K. Dobbins to go out there and surpass what Rice did. Rice was only in the NFL from 2008 to 2013, six years. So, you know, if Dobbins can have a very long NFL career and he he's able to stick with the Ravens and able to continue his production... He has the potential to be one of the best backs in the league again, and it's even more impressive because Rice really never competed with anybody for a ton of snaps and a ton of touches, whereas for Dobbins, he's competing with Gus Edwards and even to an extent Justice Hill, which I think makes it super, super impressive. So for me, if I had to take one of the two in terms of who had the better Ravens career, I mean, obviously it's Rice right now because of just the overall longevity right now. Six years right now is better than one, so Dobbins will have to do a little bit more on the field for the Ravens, but I think Dobbins has that potential to surpass Ray Rice on the field for sure. The second question here from Elias Page is, what's the biggest strength of each of our division rivals and how do the Ravens match up? So for me, I'll start at the bottom of the division. I'll start with the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously, the strength of this team has to be the wide receiver room, nabbing Jamar Chase with the fifth overall selection, having T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd already. Uh, that's scary. That's a scary receiver room. But the good thing for the Ravens is that they have a pretty scary defensive back room, there self, cornerback room, themselves. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, Anthony Averton, there as well. Tavon Young coming back. So. Those are all guys who can contribute at a high level very early and very often. And then you have the depth like Sean Wade, Devontae Harris, Iman Marshall. Those are all guys also who could contribute. So the Ravens, I think, match up really well with the Bengal strength in the receiver room for Cleveland. It still has to be their offensive line and their run game. I mean, Cleveland had, I think, the best offensive line in the league in 2020 and one of the best run games in the league in 2020. And so how did the Ravens match up with that? Fully healthy, I think they match up well. They have Brandon Williams in there, still Clay's Campbell, Derek Wolfe. It's not a perfect matchup because I think sometimes the Browns can give the Ravens fits. They they sometimes run those outside zone concepts. That, that gave the Ravens more issues in 2019 than it did in 2020. But still, I, I think with the level of play that the Browns showed last year and with the improvements they've made on both sides of the ball, especially defensively, they're going to be a very strong team. And I think that's something that the Ravens will have to keep an eye on because people will say, oh, it's the same old Browns, and they're not going to do anything. No, the, the, the Browns are different this time, and you'll probably say, well, we've heard that before. They've been Super Bowl champions for the past five years, four years now, but no. They, they have a well-rounded roster. They're going to be good. Their offensive line is good. Their running game is good, but I think the Ravens, they don't match up as well as they do with the Bengals wide receivers with their defensive backroom, but I think they match up well enough where they can still win games against them, even with all the improvements they've made. And then finally, the Steelers. The Steelers, I have to go with their front seven on defense, and particularly their defensive line, TJ Watt absolute game wrecker. You know, someone who gives the Ravens fits, although they did lose Bud Dupree. Alex Highsmith is someone who they expect to come in and wreak some havoc as well. Cameron Hayward is still in there. Stephon Tuitt. And then they're getting Devin Bush back. You know, is Robert Spillane going to play a bunch? You have Vince Williams in there as well. Now the Ravens, where do they match up there? It has to be their offensive line. And I think they have improved their offensive line to the point where the Steelers aren't going to bully them out of, you know, the the stadium. They're not going to be able to just bull rush and do all this and dominate the Ravens up front where we saw to an extent last year some defensive fronts gave the Ravens fits, you know. We can talk about Buffalo in the playoff game where the offensive line just struggled. I don't think there's going to be that performance anymore. But TJ Watt, I mean, you have to account for him. How is he going to hold up against his old teammate, Alejandro Villanueva? And then how is Alejandro Villanueva going to hold up against him? How is Ben Cleveland going to perform? Is Bradley Bozeman going to perform at center? You know, Kevin Zeitler and Ronnie Stanley, they're going to be solid, I think. But still, they match up well, much better than they did last season, I think. But still... Their best matchup in the division is definitely Cincinnati with their cornerback room going up against their strength in their wide receiver room. Next, we're going to take a look at two questions here from Zev Moses. And first, Zev asks, Everyone has been talking about us signing Houston, but it appears that there is a gap between his asking price and our offer. Jeff Z reported that. Can you evaluate the fits of other veteran edge guys like Kerrigan, Ingram, etc.? And if they're worth it, Slash the Ravens would sign them. And is signing a pass rusher even a worthwhile investment? And so this is a really good thought and a question by Zev here because I think everybody saw the Justin Houston visit and was like, oh yeah, the Ravens are signing him. It's a done deal, right? He's in here. The Colts drafted two edge guys back to back in rounds one and two. So yeah, you know, no doubt the Ravens are going to sign this guy, but it seems like in, he mentioned Jeffs Rebeck reported this in his article for the athletic. And I highly recommend checking out some very interesting tidbits in there about the Ravens yeah, it seems like the Ravens in Houston are kind of far apart on the money right now. That's the feeling I got from jeff Beck's article. So what that means to me is, you know, they could wait for that price to drop, but what they could also do is look at some of the other edge guys. Now, in my opinion, if it's not Houston, I would love Melvin Ingram. I think Ingram, you know, isn't the pass rusher that Houston is. The reason why Houston and the Ravens are so far apart on the money is because Houston is the best option out there, still is a veteran pass rusher. And I think it's very worthwhile to get Houston and see what they can do with restructures and whatnot, because I think he can help the team win now. But Ingram is someone who isn't the pass rusher, again, that Houston is, but can do do a little bit more. Houston is kind of that situational guy, kind of like an Elvis Doomerville where Ingram can kind of fill more of a Tyus Bowser, Matthew Judon-ish role, where he can drop back into coverage if asked. He can play the run decently well. Kerrigan is someone who I think is on, not not the downswing of his career, but he's someone who I think is the third best option. Kerrigan's still someone who's fine. Decent edge defender in terms of defending the run. Can drop back into coverage, but I wouldn't expect that too often. I don't think that's like a strong suit of his game. So, I mean, I'm confident that, look, the Ravens could also go after maybe someone like Olivier Vernon, who I think is more of a pure pass rusher as well, but can, again, do a little bit more than Houston. But to me, Zev asks here, is signing a pass rusher even a worthwhile investment? I probably wouldn't consider it unless it's Houston or maybe Melvin Ingram, because what you have is there would be a competition for that final roster spot at the edge position. I don't see the Ravens keeping six edge rushers, Jalen Ferguson, if a veteran is signed, is probably the odd man out, and I think that that's probably what happens, or, you know, Dalen Hayes maybe gets a freak injury, you know, the Ravens put that, you know, injury in quotation marks, stash him on injured reserve for a year, and then they do that, but six edge rushers last year caused some playing time controversy, you know, Jihad Ward versus Jalen Ferguson, Jihad Ward got upset by that, and I think it's one of the reasons why he ended up departing Baltimore in the offseason. season. But I think Houston is worthwhile. He provides the Ravens some pass rushing juice. 19 sacks in his two years in Indianapolis still has some stuff left in the tank, but I think it is a worthwhile investment, especially because right now the Ravens don't have that pure pass rusher who has proven himself. Maybe Adafai Elway can be that option. Maybe Ferguson takes that leap. But with Lamar Jackson on his rookie deal, Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, if you can sign Houston to a two-year deal and you know maybe make it more of a one-year deal with dead money and whatnot, but... That's the move that I would do. I think that's a very worthwhile investment for the Ravens. And then our second question here from Zev Moses, saw comments from Lamar and Eric DeCosta yesterday sort of hinting something big. Would they really extend Lamar now instead of next offseason? And so, yeah, this is, again, I think a very important topic to discuss. Same thing with pass rusher. Lamar Jackson, most likely going to get that extension from the Ravens, right? It kind of seems like that's where this is headed. Both parties seem very interested in that. And to me... This could happen really at any time. Eric DaCosta kind of hinted at the fact that, yeah, we kind of have a couple other things to get going before we kind of talk full, full things with Lamar Jackson, but maybe it was more of the Ravens and Eric DaCosta kind of sat down with Lamar Jackson and his agent and whatnot, maybe talked a bit of numbers, you know, nothing too serious. And maybe Lamar Jackson saw that and was like, ooh, this is this is money. Like, this is good money. Like, this is going to be awesome, right? Kind of getting excited about that extension. And look, I would too. I think anybody would. So he kind of goes on there on Twitter and in the comments, Merit D'Costa kind of fueled that a little bit. So maybe that was it. I think a Mark Andrews extension might come first as opposed to a Lamar Jackson extension, but I still think it happens Really, whenever it happens, you know, I'm I'm not gonna put a full timeline on it because it could be now, it could be next off season. I'd anticipate it maybe happening right at the end of next season or during the off season. But again, it's a strategic thing. You know, do you want to extend Lamar Jackson maybe after a bit of what would maybe be classified as a down year, or do you maybe want to risk? That you know, you might have to pay him 20, 25, 30 million dollars more because he has an all pro season in 2021 for the Ravens or Lamar Jackson. Do you wait to start the contract negotiations until after the 2021 season when you have that all pro year, or do you get the money now and not risk an injury? So, a lot of different things happen. I'm, I'm not going to put a timeline on it, but I do think it could happen sooner rather than later. We're going to hit into our final break now, but when we return. We're going to be taking a look at the final batch of our mailbag questions, so stay tuned for that, and we'll be back soon. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC and MMA action. For the next, pitch head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. As this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Bilt Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. What's your favorite Bilt Bar flavor? As you know that Bilt Bar has nine delicious flavors, including coconut, coconut, almond, raspberry, mint brownie, and salted caramel? Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you like. Go to BiltBar.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off of your next order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BiltBar.com. And we return our final segment of this Wednesday edition of Locked On. Ravens is here. Kevin Ostryker, your host, still here with you. And now we're gonna get into the last part of our mailbag for this week, starting off with Brendan Ward, who asks The Villanova signing was a good depth move and he'll excel in the Ravens' run happy scheme. Still concerned about the offensive tackle depth. If Stanley doesn't return in time, slash, fully healthy, the offense could be limited. Do you see another offensive tackle signing? And so this is a good question from Brendan here because it is a valid point. The Ravens are kind of gambling a little bit here, because Ronnie Stanley suffered that pretty gruesome injury against the Pittsburgh Steelers towards the middle of the 2020 season, and he might not be in tip-top form come week one of the 2021 season. Now, I know there hasn't been a ton released on Stanley's recovery, but, you know, all indications from the team say that he's going to be fine and ready for the 2021 season. But it could take, you know, a couple of games for him to fully get acclimated and whatnot, and Stanley... Very injury prone, you know, obviously not like season ending injury prone. That's something that hasn't really happened to him, but you know, he'll miss games here and there and it's been a thing throughout the course of his career. So realistically, Stanley's going to miss a game here or there and what happens? Well, I think the Ravens are actually pretty confident in their ability to put Tyree Phillips out there at right tackle and be good. And the beauty of signing Villanueva is the fact that he did play left tackle for a plethora of years in Pittsburgh. And so if Stanley isn't ready or if Stanley goes down again, you know, it's not ideal because Stanley is the best offensive lineman on the team, but you're able to slide Villanueva over to left tackle where it's not like he's learning a new position or anything. He has played the position extensively before. And then you have Phillips at right tackle, who I think has been working very hard this offseason. He's posted videos and the Ravens feel confident in his ability there. So hopefully improved play from him. And then, you know, it's difficult to see another offensive tackle signing right now because what you have is plenty of depth throughout the entire offensive line. Andre Smith, who I think a lot of people have forgotten about, the former Cincinnati Bengals offensive tackle who opted out of last year, is back in training camp with this team. Maybe he does make the roster, and he's that like offensive tackle-ish type guy who could be the fourth backup on the team or whatnot, but also the interior depth. Ben Powers, Ben Bredesen, Ben Cleveland are all going to be fighting for that left guard job. Two of those three aren't going to make that starting job, and so they'll be interior depth. Tristan Colon-Castillo, Patrick McCarvey seem to be the backup options at center, so that's already four guys as backup offensive tackles you know, that's a lot. You know, keeping nine offensive linemen could be a lot for this team. Keeping 10, you know, with Tyree Phillips in there is also (laughs) quite a lot, considering Phillips is most likely going to start the year as a backup. So I just seriously don't see the roster room for it. Baltimore's going to have a ton of tough decisions to make, not only at offensive line, you know, safety, wide receiver, tight end, defensive line. There'll be some tough decisions to be made. So, There is some concern about the offensive tackle depth. I'm with you, Brendan. I just don't see the Ravens having enough roster room to sign anybody else at the position right now. Our next question here comes from James Woods, who says, we have a ton of defensive backs. Does someone take an injury redshirt year to develop and who are the leading candidates to fill depth spots? Iman Marshall, Khalil Dorsey, Geno Stone, Jordan Richards, or others? And so yeah, James, the Ravens, again, I mentioned those tough decisions a couple seconds ago there defensive back is one of them, particularly at the safety spot, but I mean, also cornerback as well. So what I see happening, the Ravens are most likely going to keep six cornerbacks. You have Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peter, Jimmy Smith, Anthony Averett, Tavon Young. Those are five. Sean Wade is probably your sixth guy there. So what that means is Devonta Harris probably gets let go. Iman Marshall either has to take another year on IR or gets let go. Probably getting let go is the, the more likely option right now. So that's where I see that happening. Maybe the Ravens put Khalil Dorsey on injured reserve as kind of that redshirt year thing, but I don't see him making the roster outright. I think the six corners are Humphrey, Peter, Smith, Avert, Young, Wade. Those are the six for me, and, and that's that. For safety, it's a little more interesting. There are seven guys right now who can theoretically make this roster. I only see five of them making it. Deshaun Elliott, Chuck Clark, Anthony Levine, Geno Stone, Brandon Stevens, Jordan Richards, and the reported undrafted signing of Ardarius Washington. So what I see is I think that Chuck, Clark, Deshaun, Elliott, Anthony, Levine are all safe. Those three, book them in. Where the battles come, it's going to be, I think, Ardarius Washington versus Geno Stone and Brandon Stevens versus Jordan Richards. Who do I think win those battles? I think it's going to be Ardarius Washington over Geno Stone, and it's going to be Brandon Stevens over Jordan Richards. I think Richards gets let go. He he's not going to be on the roster, and I think maybe Geno Stone is that guy who takes that injury year, maybe that you know the quote unquote injury year on injured reserve for the Ravens because they're just not going to have enough spots. There are going to be some really good guys let go. You know, kind of headlined by I think whoever loses the Miles Boykin versus James Perche battle at wide receiver. But yeah, they're going to have some tough decisions to make especially in the defensive back room Baltimore again the saying I say is they go into the year with 50 million corners and they end the year with two. <laughs> so they they're, they're going to have some tough decisions to make, but you know injuries will happen. And they'll have guys on their practice squad who they'll most likely be able to put on there. Maybe Stone makes it on there. Dorsey makes it on there. Marshall makes it on there. Richards makes it on there. So they'll have the guys there. It's not like everybody who gets cut isn't going to be on the 53-man roster at some point because in the game of football, injuries happen quite a lot. So yeah, defensive backs, a ton of them in Baltimore. But I think that there will be a couple names who are surprise cuts for this team and, and tough cuts as well because... They have so much talent, and talent is a good thing to have, but you can't have it all on the 53-man roster. Finally here, we're going to end on a statement from Tariq Cantuck, who says, We addressed our needs in the draft, and the pressure is on for Greg Roman to improve the passing attack. Go Ravens. And so yeah, this is a good statement here to end on by Tariq, because I think that the Ravens, this is the year for Greg Roman. It's make or break for Greg Roman. There, There is no next year. You know, oh, the passing offense didn't work, but we'll give him an extra year to kind of work it out. No, that that was last year. The, offense, the passing offense didn't work out. That was last year. This year, if the Ravens don't get off to a hot start and the passing offense isn't clicking, they go two and three, or they go one and three, Greg Roman, I think he's out. I think he's done. And then James Urban probably takes over from there, the current quarterback coach in Baltimore. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how Greg Roman attacks this year. I think the hires of Keith Williams and T Martin will help a lot. But the Ravens did address their needs in the draft. You know, not all of them, but they were able to address most of them. And they have a very balanced roster now. You know, we've talked about the the tough decisions they'll have to make. That's because they've done such a good job filling out their roster with a lot of key depth that can really help this team out. So I'm excited to see how this offseason goes. The rest of it, at least in heading into the 2021 season, it'll be a good one for the Ravens. That's all that I have for you today. When we get back here tomorrow, it's more Ravens talk. We'll be diving into the full Ravens 2021 schedule. So stay tuned for that, and I will see you tomorrow.